Hello, this is William Easton, your host for a revolutionary new approach to small business success, Richmond Biz Live on WLEE News Talk 990 AM. You can start by checking out our website, richmondbizlive.com, and download your program schedule. You'll find it in the resources section. Join us every Saturday at 10 o'clock for Richmond Helping Richmond, one hour of information, techniques, and tools that you can use to achieve your dream. Clear your calendar and join in every Saturday at 10 o'clock on WLE News Talk 990 for the most important hour in your week. Good morning, Richmond. What a beautiful day it is here at 308 Broad Street. Uh, in fact, uh, we survived a major storm on Thursday and two tornadoes, and I guess that just makes the, the, the air just that much better. My nose has not been acting up. So this is Richmond Biz Live, a business talk show focused on Growing existing businesses, and the older the better. If you think it's about time your company uh, performed and paid you back for the years of no checks and all the blood, sweat, and tears, you're in the right spot. Join us on our journey of growing Richmond's economy one uh, one company at a time by calling in and be that company. And you can reach us live from 10.06 until 11 o'clock this morning at 844-249-5483. I'll slow that down, 844-249-5483. 5483, or if you're in a car, it's real simple, 844.bizlive, B-I-Z-L-I-V-E. Okay. Uh, our show is brought to you by WLEE News Talk 990 AM every Saturday morning at 10 o'clock where we talk about Richmond business. Every segment, every topic is authored by business experts who are also business owners. What you hear today and every day is not theory. It's how we run our respective businesses, and we share those insights with you. So join us at 10.06 every Saturday morning um, where business, where Richmond businesses are helping ris- Richmond businesses grow. And so this week, well, what do we have lined up this week? Well, we've got uh, we've got our four segments. We have Mary Foley talking, continuing the conversation about brand leadership and how do you build a reputation. Uh, she's from Bodacious Ventures. We've got Andy Schulich for Metamorphosis Management Consulting, and Andy is going to be continuing on our journey through Lean, where he's going to be now talking about linking tasks and um, activities to processes. And remember, the thing about Lean is we got to stop thinking about a business as a silo and a group of functions and businesses about a process or flows. Then we're going to have uh, Wee Tran in from Firestarter Group, and Wee's going to be taking the area of technology a little bit further, which coincides with what Andy's talking about, and how do you build a platform to where everything's integrated and you put it in once and it works everywhere? And then finally, I'm going to end up the, um, the segments by talking about people. And a favorite topic of mine, I'm going to be discussing what you stroke is what you get. And then our guest, well, we were lucky to have a featured guest. We got Mark Deutsch back from Mark Deutsch LLC. And Mark's going to be talking about uh, what's going on for business resources uh, this coming week here in Richmond. And so... All of our topics are linked to um, uh, best practices that we have built in our database. And specifically today, we're going to be talking about how do you link activities to consequences. People need to see that what they do has some meaning, and how do I use the technology to do that? So that you can get your company to break even, uh, and maybe even to the breakthrough stage. And each one of the topics that we cover is organized into a 10-minute conversation, kind of our version of a TED conference, Radio TED. And what we're trying to do is we're going to answer three questions for you because it's the three I would ask. One is why is this critical? Mm -hmm. Number two is what benefit can you expect? And number three is how do I get it done? And so 
What I'd like to do is I'd like to start off by introducing or reintroducing to the audience uh, Mary Foley from Bodacious Ventures. And Mary's been talking about thought leadership, not the type of thought leadership that necessarily a company would do, but thought leadership in terms of branding yourself as the owner of the company. Welcome back, Mary. Hey, great to be back on the on the air. And you're right, this is not thought or thought leadership of, hmm, I've been thinking about leadership. No, no, no. We're talking about what your brand, your reputation uh, is in the uh, in the community, and particularly, obviously, RVA. Yeah, and it's, uh, you know, what business owners don't grasp uh, a lot that I encounter is that there's the branding that goes for their company, which is very critical because mm-hmm. it, it positions the, the company in, in customers' minds. But it's also critical that they brand themselves because that also has a major impact on their ability to sell as a company. Is that not, not right? Well, I think the CEO, the president, the the lead dog of any organization has that opportunity. And I think if they take really that on, is is they're, is some, they're always really, no matter how many salespeople they have, they're the top salesperson. That's right. And, and so there are ways, though, that they can really build uh, thought leadership for the organization via their thought leadership. Um, they can also, if they've got... They've got some uh, additional, not just salespeople, but um, you know, executives within their organization right. leading particular parts. They can feature them as well. So I have, I have some ideas about that today in terms of building a reputation. Awesome. All right. You know, the last couple of times I've been on the show, I gave some specific ways that you can share your expertise uh, in terms of building your thought leadership. Top 10 questions that you often get from customers and being able to write those down and share them online and in either in a whole part, uh, whole or part. Also, white papers and reports. We talked about that last time that I was uh, on your show and how you can use that for, um, you know, just again, thought leadership. This time, um, I want to talk about using what you know, what you're good at, what your expertise is in terms of specifically saying, I'm going to use it to build my reputation. Okay. That sounds good. So what what do you mean by reputation and why is it important? Well, reputation is what someone immediately thinks about you and your company, um, which in some ways sounds a lot like a brand. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. If your reputation and your brand are aligned, yes, they're basically kind of one and the same or they're so very close. But <laughs> if... Um, your, but the thing is, is that your rep, your brand is what you want people to perceive about you, right. what you're trying to put, put put out there. Your reputation is what they really think about you. Um, so, and that's based on really actions and behaviors and what they experience with you. So, it's you know, here's one little small thing. Um, branding. What one is one thing I do in for my company, Bodacious Ventures, is I'm known for wearing always some red. Red's kind of a signature color. I'm I wear red and drive a red car. I, I, but here's the thing, and, and why do I do red? Red, I like the color, but red emotes action, emotes passion about, emotes energy. Mm-hmm. If I show up and interact with people in a very less than energetic way. If I, when my writing and what I put out online is not have some, some energy and in, 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 in with it, I'm not aligned in terms of what I'm putting right. out there and my actions themselves. So small little thing, I can't tell you how many people say, Mary, where's your red? You got your red on? What's going on? And they remember me because of the red. But I think, honestly, they really remember me because of my energy. 
Okay. Well, and it, you know, they're always asking about that red cape. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> I know. Exactly. Um, but here's the thing is that it's important to be deliberate about building your reputation because if you don't, people are going to fill in the blank for you. It, it, it just is, is what happens. It's human nature. But, but if you fill it in in a way that is not only just authentic, but is um, going to help you in your organization. It's going to help your organization in terms of recommendations, referrals, um, or it's not. Because if your reputation's poor, it's going to do the opposite. It's gonna, don't work with Bodacious Ventures. Let me tell you what it's really like. Yeah, I have, a, I have a couple clients, and what they're fighting is their reputation in their market to get employees. Uh, so they have a reputation of not being a great company to work for. Right, right now, saying. right mm-hmm. now they have a hard time finding somebody with a driver's license that's not a convicted well, that's, felon. That's not good at all. Well, you, you know, I think with the, I like to take Bonnie Raitt's advice. Let's give them something to talk about. Let's give them something that you, something positive and something that's useful for them to talk about. So you, you, the main thing is you don't want to leave your reputation to chance. And the worst thing that can happen is you have no reputation at all. Well, Nobody even knows you exist. You know, and uh, it's it's in some ways it's better to have a bad reputation. <laughs> they, yeah, at <laughs> least they'll go. One. Well, maybe that maybe they're in a the thought process because we've right. talked about this several times. Is that there's only four options in the marketplace. One is you're unknown. Yeah. Number two is you're known, but that's it. They just know about you. Yeah. Number three is you become preferred in that when they're making a buying decision, you're one of the candidates, mm-hmm. and then finally. Is top of mind when if they're going to make a buying decision, there's only one place they're calling. Mm-hmm, right. And so being known is much better than being unknown. Right. And I think what happens is, is a lot of times, you know, why is it if companies and, and the, the head of the company is being passive and saying, you know, I just need to do ads. We just need to print ads. Or we just need to do TV ads. It's passive. You've got to be active. And that's about um, how you can also help build your reputation. Well, and if you think if you think about it, how many different um, business owners define their companies? I mean, it, it, mm-hmm. would Chrysler have turned around in the eighties without Lee I. Coke out front? And I seriously doubt it. Doubt it, uh, yeah. Because when he said, "Take my word for it," he had had that reputation in American mm-hmm. business that if I. Coke said it, right? Well, then I can believe it. So, what benefit can we expect? I mean, okay, well, I want we a understand good reputation, the right? right? I mean, like, oh yes, of course, we want a good reputation. But there's real some specific, tangible benefits to proactively building your reputation. Uh, obvious ones are lead generation, um, building credibility for your organization, your business, mm-hmm. being seen as the go-to company in your space. Right. Those are obvious. Some of the not so obvious when you're really being proactive on this is that you can use it to connect with media and industry analysts. You can use build your your activity in building a reputation to Get your top talent in your organization out there for other uh, others to uh, also know and and interact with. Um, you can also use an opportunity to contribute to your association or your professional community. Yeah. So there are ways that you know they're they're marketing per se, but they're also about building your reputation. Well, yeah, I imagine if uh, somebody in the local newspaper, radio station, or TV is looking for some information on a particular topic mm-hmm. for which your company has a reputation for, and they call you. That's right. What impact is that going to have on sales when people go, gee, I've heard mm-hmm. of you, and you were on TV, mm-hmm. and it wasn't an ad. Right. It was somebody going, you're a recognized expert. Well, here's the thing, too. You want media to come towards you, for example. You want indus- you want professions, to, professional associations to call you and say, we've got to have you. You become known as a problem solver in yep. your industry and in your space. You know, you got to be, it's not about how smart you are. This is about someone saying, how can you help me solve my problem? Uh, so you got to ask yourself, what problems do you solve that other people are going to pay you for? 
Okay. That's uh, to make those problems go away. So, so here's some things that we can do. Yeah, here's some things. So, speaking, writing, and social media are three top ways that you can build your reputation. And I want to, in particular, talk about speaking. You know, um, we have a great example here in, in Richmond, Virginia, of Boomer Project. Um, Matt Thornhill and John Martin, who head that up, they are known for, and their whole thing is, uh, understanding about the boomer market and what and how to really market to them, but also they've expanded into generational um, uh, marketing and, and understanding the generational in, uh, interaction both in the workplace and also in the marketplace. So, and they use speaking very, very effectively. In fact, th- on their website, you can see speaking as services. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just thinking, um, and I know of them, why? Because I've seen them present more than once here in the RVA area at places like Retail Merchants Association. In fact, earlier this month, they did a presentation at First Friday Forum, which is put on by Retail Merchants, and it was called Mastering Millennials, Understanding the Millennial Generations um, as Employees, Coworkers, and Customers. Now, here's the thing, is that you, they're a great example. You need to ask yourself, where do my high-probability prospects gather? Right. Is it at local associations, industry events, business networking groups, specific chamber programs? Where is it? All of these places need speakers and they need presenters. And they need topics for people to go, oh, I've got to go hear that. Okay? Yep. And then you need to create high, a high-relevant problem-solving presentation that's going to inform, it's going to engage, and it's going to attract prospects so that they'll be the next work um, make their next step towards you so speaking locally in your industry in but not just willy-nilly think about where your right. high probably pros, probability prospects gather then you've got to go to that meeting planner that group and say i've got a great topic for you make that a highly relevant problem solving topic and then create a really kick-ass presentation that's a fabulous way to build your reputation and, and it's, you know, when we talked to Charles Crowley, uh, Crowley last week, mm-hmm. and we talked about this to some degree, it's part of your marketing campaign as a company right. in that you organize it the same way, only now it's being done by the owner or senior executives. That's right. That's right. Okay. You can take that same content. You can create articles. You can take blog posts. You can make white papers. You can take reports. That's the writing piece and the social media pieces. You take then small bits of that and you put those out on uh, different media channels. 40% of traffic, web traffic to websites is now coming through social media. Wow. So, and, and it may, obviously results may vary and industries may vary, but if you're not putting bits and pieces of what you've already created through social media to, to go back to your website, you're really losing an opportunity. Okay, Mary, how do people find out more about this? Um, the best thing to do to contact me is to go to my website, maryfoley.com. And um, you can see actually on there, you can contact me. I am happy to speak with anyone and just brainstorm about this for at least like 30 minutes just, just on the phone. And, and you can see a sign-up where you can do that right there on my website, maryfoley.com. Okay, great. Thanks, Mary. Great. Good seeing you. Good to see you, too. And we'll be back. Hi, Mary Foley here. If you're a small business owner in RVA, you're an expert in something, be it building websites, selling insurance, or HR consulting. Are you proactively sharing pieces of your expertise to attract new clients and keep existing ones? Well, that's what thought leadership is all about. Join me on Richmond Biz Live Saturdays at 10 on WLEE News Talk 990 for easy ways you can use thought leadership to grow your business. 
As a business leader, have you developed a highly productive work environment? Do you create a work-life experience that is self-motivating, enjoyable, and rewarding for your fellow workers, vendors, suppliers, and most importantly, yourself? To navigate to a pleasurable work-life experience, which will provide the means for you to have a fantastic full-life experience, contact me, Andy Schulich, for a free consultation on the web at metamorphosismc.com. And we are back, and I've got Andy Schulick in the studio for Metamorphosis uh, Management Consulting. And what we're going to do is we're going to be picking up our theme on lean manufacturing. And if you can't, if you can tell that I'm excited about this, I, I'll tell you why. Is that three days a week I operate as the number two guy in military terms as executive officer. Uh, in a manufacturing facility where I've been hired as a kind of a virtual exec for a couple months to implement lean. So I live lean, I eat lean, and unfortunately for my body, my body isn't lean, but that's a different subject. So good morning, Andy. How are you? Well, wonderful. How are you doing today? All right. So let's, uh, what are we going to do today? Well, we're going to go ahead and look at task management. And this is where the rubber hits the road, as they say, because this is where the, the, the people actually deliver the service or they produce the products. And this is where you want to go ahead and reduce your uh, waste and, and, and make it more efficient and effective. So looking at that, we have task management. What does that mean? Uh, it's the identification, creation, implementation, and monitoring of the individual tasks necessary to fulfill the customer's requirements. And that's the name of the game, to, to, to make sure we deliver to the customer what they want, because if they, we don't, they won't buy it from us. Uh, so the tasks are deliverables consisting of detailed actions that take place in response to our strategic directives that we've created okay. in the management area. So what is a task? Well, it's a series of actions or a process that have a definite Defined inputs incorporate specific tools and techniques which produce specific outputs that meet the requirements of the business goals. Okay. And, and, and for everybody here, the, the big thing is, is that most of us look at an organization, we see it functional. We see it as I work in finance, I work in production, I work here or there, and I look at my job within that focus. What this is saying is I've got to stop that and I've got to look at a flow across the company that is driven by the customer. If we produce four products and we got four manufacturing processes, then I have to view the company as four flows, and my job must be linked to one of those. Is that right? That is correct. Um, going back to my uh, original uh, peanut butter and jelly English muffin uh, exercise that I do, taking in the concept with uh, task uh, management, our inputs basically, if you think about it, are a jar of peanut butter, a jar of jelly, and an English muffin. And our tools are the working surface, a knife, one or two we may right. have, and a serving plate. The techniques, you got to cut the English muffin in half, spread the peanut butter and jelly on half of one of each of the halves, assemble the two halves, and you got to make sure that the peanut butter is touching the jelly. Otherwise, it gets to be a very messy <laughs> subject. And uh, we then place that on the plate. And the output is this assembled peanut butter and jelly plate. But what's important from a lean aspect is, let's look at the jelly itself. The question is, does one obtain the jelly from a jar and apply the jelly with a knife, or does one use a squeezable container of jelly in which the jelly exits the container from its bottom, 
and one does not have to obtain, use, or clean a knife. You know, I've never asked myself that question, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, hopefully in perspective, it, it sheds some light. And you do this in every aspect of your uh, uh, processes that you do to try to eliminate unnecessary acts. So what you're saying here is that I don't need the knife, and I probably don't need that step. And besides, we have the contamination, as you know, right. as, as an experienced peanut butter and jelly eater. You have, the, you have the contamination of the jelly jar with peanut butter. That is correct. We can eliminate all that right now. Yeah. And you don't have to wash the knife. So we even eliminate the cost of buying a knife. Wow. How much money are we saving here? I don't know. <laughs> okay. All right. We got that. So now, uh, what's the benefits? Okay. The benefits are basically it helps to go ahead and provide um, everybody with a lower cost product that goes ahead and meets the customer's requirements. Therefore, you're going to have happy customers, you're going to retain those customers, and it may attract new customers for you, which increases um, the income that you receive. Uh, in doing so internally, it reduces uh, waste, could reduce extra steps that you don't have to perform, and basically it allows uh, successful implementation so that you can progress to reaching your vision and mission of your company. And, and, and remember, all of this is customer demand-based. You don't do any of this without having a customer saying, I need it and I want it, and we make our decisions based upon whether that provides value either to the process or to the customer. Right, okay. and that's really important. All right, so and, go ahead. And so, so why is this important, you know? Well, it's important because you take your efforts and your resources, and they're very focused and you are delivering a specific deliverable. Uh, your workforce has a clear understanding of the deliverable characteristics, and additionally, your workforce, they get engaged, and therefore they show ownership, and they can really help you progress to fulfillment of your vision and mission. Okay. All right, so now if I, you know, we've talked about this for a couple of weeks now. Mm -hmm. Where do I start? I'm a business owner. Tell okay. me where do I start. Okay, well, first of all, you go ahead and you document, document the as-is picture. What are we doing today? Okay, because you have to start somewhere and start to make decisions and changes. And then you develop a high-level to-be picture. And this could be in a short-term, long-term, or in phases. And you develop then the goals to get you from the as-is to the to-be. And in doing so, you get everybody involved because those people that are actually doing the service or providing, uh, building the, the components, they best know how to do that, not the management and not the engineering. The engineering steps in when they have problems that are repetitive and they go to engineering and say, okay, let's go ahead and fix this problem so it doesn't occur. But, and, but, but in a lot of manufacturing facilities, yeah. The workforce, if you want to look at this, the workforce is actually a customer who's hiring an engineering expert to come in and advise them. So the engineer's role here is not necessarily to dictate what happens, right. but to provide the advice to the people who are doing the work, which are the frontline employees, right. on how to get it fixed. Yeah, and, and if you are in a three-step process and you're running the second step, you're really the customer of the person that's doing the first step. 
So you have to talk to those people. It's an interesting concept that kind of bends people's minds occasionally. But what Andy is saying is true is that we start with the end, with the end user, which is the customer. And then what is the last step in your process? Right. Well, they, they now have customers, which is the previous step. And so you, it changes how you look at manufacturing process. It also changes the nature of the relationship because uh, if, if the people downstream to me are my customers, I have a very different view of them than if they're just another step in the process. Isn't that right? Right. And so if you're in the middle step, you are both a customer and you are a supplier. So it's really good if you talk to everybody, and this way you can go ahead and perfect your process because something that I receive, if they just tweak theirs a little bit, my supplier, it will go ahead and make a big difference as to what my product is. And so if if we can kind of summarize where we've been so far is that uh, what Andy was talking about is you map the as-is, so let's take a picture of today, and then you get the experts together, the people doing the work, and you say, gee, if we could start with a clean slate, what would we design? Right. And the goal of that is to take out steps, to take out time, to take out opportunities for waste because every step is an opportunity for a mistake. And then when we build an as-is process and we document it, then we test it. Yes. Okay. And what's interesting is as-is is always here today, but to be never goes away. It's always out there. You can always make continuous improvements. And so if you benchmark your company against the industry what you can begin to do here now is is get an understanding of where you stand because if nothing else you want to be within some normal bandwidth of average right in other words if it costs x to build it you want to be within that kind of area otherwise then what that says is that you are waste you're losing money in fact uh, again i think about where i spend part of the week is that i suspect that we have some products that we sell where we pay customers to take it because we don't have our cost under control. So, Andy, if, if I'm a business owner, you kind of went through the how-tos, where would you start? What, start? what would be the one thing that you would have a business owner do to begin the lean process? Um, first of all, I would say the most important thing is to understand what it is and get educated. So then you can, therefore, make good decisions to go forward into your company. And this is not hard to understand but it revolutionizes how you look at the business. That is correct. Andy, how do they get a hold of you, uh, in touch with you, hold of you, so that you can help them kind of revolutionize how they okay. look at things? Uh, I can be reached if you go to the uh, Richmond Biz Live website, or I can be found on the web at metamorphosismc.com. Andy, I appreciate you being in. That was uh, I love talking about lean. You got me excited to be back at work on Tuesday. And uh, thanks. You're welcome. And so as, a, as we make the transition here, and uh, our next guest is going to be, and they're really not guests, these are business colleagues who are coming in to talk about their areas of expertise, is that uh, we have Wee Tran from Firestarter Group, who's going to be now talking about the technology piece. And so, and I want you, and the reason that we put technology and processes together, why we is always following Andy, is that many times, there's a technology fix for the process issue. And I want you to consistently think of that in terms of we've been talking about having people do the labor, but maybe what this really is about is how do I get the platform to do this for me 
and so it becomes automatic. So, good morning. How are you? Hey, doing good, Bill. How are you? I am doing great. And so, uh, so yeah, let's pick it up from there because I know that today what you were talking about is this issue is that it, it, how does everybody, everybody has to have access to information in the organization if, in fact, it's going to work. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, actually, so I kind of want to start off with our topic today, talking right. about uh, with a question. If a program is too complicated, would you use it? No. No, exactly. Yeah, so you probably say no, you, exactly, or not right now. Mm-hmm. So the word of today is called usability. Okay, use, usability. Yep, and usability means the measure of the interactive user experience associated with an application, s- such as uh, a website or a software program. So another question would be as how many times, Bill, have you been to a website where the buttons are just not where you think it would be, the content doesn't make sense? Do you tend to stay on those websites long? No, I don't. I mean, if I get intrigued and I go, well, maybe they're trying something different, but typically, no. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, a non-user-friendly website, people are tendly not going to stay on there very long. And actually, another example is, um, personal example is, too many times I've seen business owners who go out and they'll buy software for a company or for their company, thinking that that software is going to be the end-all, be-all software that's going <laughs> to save their company. That is the death of most CRMs, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, so like, so like these, maybe these CRMs would have tons of features or just tons of different options, but with more options come more complexity. And you give it to a sales guy who uh, is going, if I'm sitting in the office, I'm not selling. Exactly. And I don't get paid. Exactly. You know, so a lot of times what these businesses figure out after they buy these complex software is actually, so one of three things here. Um, the first is they stop using it after a couple of weeks. And, you know, just because it's too hard to adapt, uh-huh. you know, there's just too much to learn. From a user perspective, usability is important because it can make the difference between performance the task accurately versus um, not accurately or, you know, versus having some incorrect data in there. Or for a, uh, employees, for them to either enjoy the process or be very frustrated. And I, and I can echo that. I, would, uh, I spent a year and a half working on an SAP implementation project. Uh, that end of last year, half of that time was spent on building the software. The other half of the time was spent trying to get people comfortable so they would use it. Now, unfortunately for them is that they'd get fired if they didn't use it. Right. But still, that didn't make it any easier. Yeah, no, no, I'm assuming it definitely wouldn't. You know, and actually from a, a management point of view, the software with poor usability can reduce the productivity of the workforce to a level of performance that's probably even worse than before they even had the system. Uh, I, I absolutely agree. Again, that's why the most uh, customer relationship management software packages, there's a graveyard yeah. of that, of those implementations, because that's exactly what happens. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Implementation, the the, the more streamlined we can, imp- we can make the implementation process, the better it is for users to adopt the process, for users to be trained on it. So definitely, and actually, if you're a business out there and you guys are making websites or you're a software development company, usability is important because it can literally mean the, the success or failure of your business. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So, Bill, okay. I have another question for you. Yeah. What's the most expensive program? What is the, mo- the most expensive program? Uh, okay, this is a trick question. <laughs> I think I can get this right. By the way, we work together. Oh, yeah, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, is uh, the one you don't use. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the one you don't use. Yes, I mean, just going back to it. I mean, so many times you pay. I was thinking about WordPress, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke, everybody. WordPress is a great package. It's good. It's good. It's good. Definitely, if you haven't heard of it, uh, check it out, WordPress.org. Um, so some tips here. If you're a business owner, what are some tips for you to achieve a high level of usability in your company? 
So um, there's only one answer to this. It's called evaluation. Mm-hmm. You have to do the evaluation up front. So evaluation, evaluate the software thoroughly during the early stages. I'm sure you've heard the term measure twice, cut once. Absolutely. Yep. All right. So this is exactly what we're going to do. Okay. We're going to measure twice. So right. the first measurement we're going to do is that we're going to vet the software and see how it affects the business process and the workflow. Cool. Yep. So as a business owner, we're going to ask some questions. We're going to ask the question is, does this software fit the way we operate? Does it, um, you know, can we get a hands-on demo? Mm-hmm. Um, and ideally, can we test the software with users who will actually be using the software? You know, so, I mean, if you're the CEO of the company and you're too busy out there making sales, you probably don't want to test it. You actually want your staff to test it. Yeah, as a matter of fact, you don't want to test it because the odds are you're never going to use it. Um, it, it's the people who do it. And just so that I, I hook up with the previous presentation is if you map out a new to uh, be process yeah. and you happen to work in a project management environment, you can put that new process on the project management software, which will now be part of how we do business. So it's an easy way to make change through software. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Yep, yep. And then also, along with that first measurement as well, we also want to ask the software company, hey, can we get training? What training options do you have? Okay, so now part of the measure twice, the second measurement we're going to do is that we're going to we're going to need to know our own process. So believe it or not, many businesses out there don't know their own process. And actually, Andy was here. He's he's, he's talking the last couple of weeks about process building for uh, for companies. Bill is out there. He's been doing some work with other companies on processes. You know, you definitely have to do an assessment for your business and to map out your process and to map out your workflow. Yeah, I, I and I. I, I it's critical for what uh, we was talking about, but also is that you'd be shocked if you mapped your process and you looked at how you actually do work, you'll be shocked at how much waste and inefficiencies in the system. And the reason is it's hidden. You never see it. Exactly. And this would be radical improvement to your company no matter what the application. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So if you didn't know these things, so let's say you didn't map these out at first and all of a sudden you go and you buy a piece of software. Now, what happened is that you technically brought in those bad habits that you didn't map out before. So if you knew your process, it'd be much easier for you to find a program from the very get-go for you to get started with. So, you know, keep in mind that once you've done this to your company, you need to be a little flexible when you start picking your software. You know, so as a small business and you're growing, your processes will change. I can guarantee you that. Right. Yeah, you know, and so to be able to have a software that you can be flexible with, that you can scale and grow with, is going to be key for you to, um, you know, during this time when you're finding the software that is that you want to work with. Got it. Yep. Yeah, because I could think of you got customer, you got selling, marketing, which could be automated. You got the construction of things could we could be automated in a project management package. Yep. You've got accounting, which is automated. So right there, we've got a lot of the functions done, and most CRM systems also have what what do you do with disgruntled customers. So kind of the four themes of this show you could cover by a smart software solution. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep, yep. So now our third step, after we measure twice, we're going to go ahead and just cut. So by cutting, we're going to actually commit to the software. So you need to have enough information from the first two measurements in order to finally commit. So when you buy the software, just make sure that you have the proper training. Okay. You have, you've, you've gone through, you've vetted the software, you've done all the demos, you understand your process and that you've done an assessment on yourself. You know, and then that way, now you, you know, you're going to allow yourself to be a little flexible. Mm-hmm. You have to allow yourself to be able to scale and grow with the software now. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it is probably better to have evaluation done by a couple people who are going to do it as opposed by the owner. 
I would agree. Absolutely. Yeah, besides, Absolutely. the owner may never get to it, given all that's going on in the company. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, well, what right now, as you work in software, um, what would you recommend? What would be, now, last time you and I talked about some CRM packages. Sure. Given the nature of what we're talking about here, what else would you put on the plate for them to look at if they were going to look at running their business and using it using software to do so? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So using software to do so, if you were to look at something to run your business, um, you know, so let's say, for example, if you're running an accounting business, uh, QuickBooks Online. So they used to be QuickBooks on the desktop. That made it very complex. But QuickBooks actually made an online application of their software that we were, you can just need a web browser. That simplified things a lot. It made the invoicing and made the billing process easier. Sure did. Yep. Um, you know, Bill mentioned uh, Work Etc. Work Etc. is a pretty easy program to understand as well that does a f- broad span of just different things um, for you, from managing your customer profiles to um, to some project management aspect and also the accounting aspect as well. And I know you're a big proponent of, of, of uh, WordPress. I am. I am. Yeah, yeah. So, so if you are a... Um, a web developer out there and you're looking at building a website, WordPress is an easy platform to learn off the bat. Saves you from having to learn HTML coding or, you know, all of this other stuff, um, CSS. So ignore all these jargons. If you install WordPress, as simple as a, a click and drag here and there. Really simple to get your WordPress uh, uh, website up. And you can you can add uh, you can integrate it with other packages. You can yes yes yes. There are other um, um, plugins you can use to uh, integrate WordPress you know, with other databases or integrate WordPress with QuickBooks or integrate WordPress with another um, project management system. There are tons of different plugins you can go search for. So what we've been talking about, not just today, but over the last couple of sessions, is an integrated, easy-to-use platform yep. to run the business. Absolutely. We, how, do, how do they get in touch with you if they want more information about any of the software packages or how, how to go about doing this? Yeah, absolutely. To get in touch with, uh, with me or my company, you can um, reach us at firestartergroup.com. Uh, or you can also go to uh, Richmond Biz Live and uh, check out the expert um, section on there. You'll see okay. it on there, too. We appreciate it. Good Bill, seeing you again. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we'll be back. My name is Wee Tran, IT and Web Director of the Firestarter Group. With over 75 years of collective experience, our team of experts work relentlessly to uncover your organization's unique identity, focusing on the most effective means of communicating your brand. We believe successful branding establishes an emotional connection between an organization and its target audience. The days of old business models are over. It's time to rethink your business. Welcome to Firestarter. Visit us at firestartergroup.com and richmondbizlive.com and take our complimentary 30-second brand audit to gauge where your brand is at today. Hello, this is William Eastman, your host for Richmond Biz Live on WLE 990 AM. You know, when I prepare for my segment, Owner as Executive, I am acutely aware that this is the number one obstacle to business growth. So, why don't you make an appointment with me every Saturday at 10 o'clock to help you grow with your business? It will be the best 10 minutes of your week. And we're back, and uh, here we go. I just had to adjust the mic a little bit. We're trading, ch- tr- trading chairs. Next segment is on the HR or the people segment, and um, as I've been saying through all of the pieces that we've done up to date is that I've been running the HR as kind of a concur- concurrent with the owner as executive. 
in terms of what you do as a leader versus what impact you're going to have as employees. And the reason for that is you can't talk about them divorced. They're, they're kind of the same issue. Uh, where I want to go today with it is kind of a, is kind of a summation of all that. And, what the, and the title for it is what you stroke is what you get. And what that really means is that how do you use consequences and rewards really dictates the behavior that you see. In fact, I have another one on this that a good friend of mine, Rick Tate, uh, I got from him about 30 years ago, when he called it the law of the good deal. And, you know, and what he meant by that was you walk in an organization and you watch behaviors. And I, I guarantee you, I don't care what companies you go into, you will find some location where the behavior is bizarre. And you go, what is with that? And here's what I'm going to tell you. For whatever reason, that is a good deal for the people that work there. That either because of the re- how the reward recognition structure is set up is that they are getting either rewards for doing that or they're avoiding punishment or it's the path of least resistance. And one of the things that happens in companies that are not well managed and don't have really well thought through recognition systems is people will do the minimum that they have to do and that they will decide what is the right set of behaviors. And I'll tell you what, the quickest way to turn a job into a hobby, and what I mean by a hobby is you show up, you do whatever you want, you get paid and you go home, is not having any conditions or standards or feedback in the system to say these are the type of behaviors that we expect in the, in the company. So what I want you to consider as you hear this is what is the path of least resistance in your company? If, if people were just going to get by, what would they do and probably not get caught. And you got to say to yourself, is that acceptable? Can I run a business that way? Also, what's the good deal? If people are doing things that you consider to be crazy or bizarre, like one of the issues that I'm dealing with right now is a lack of ownership in what's going on, is that it, there could be a screw-up in the system, and people will stand around and watch it. Nobody will jump in. Well, that's a good deal not to jump in. And so instead of getting on their case, you say to yourself, why is that a good deal? And that's where I really want to go. And so why is that critical? Well, you know, ultimately, no matter how many rules we set up and no matter how we structure the process, all organizations are a function of the deal. What do you stroke? How do you stroke it? Because people are going to give you those behaviors. If you make something a good deal, you make it rewarding, they do it. If you make something punishing or there's consequences to it that are, that are unfavorable, they try to avoid that. And if you've got clarity about what you're going to stroke and you've got clarity about the need for consistency, you probably have greater control over what happens in the organization than any org chart, any software package. It's how you treat people day in and day out. And I think what happens is that this is done by default. Leaders don't think it through, and what they wind up doing is they, uh, they wind up dealing with it after the fact. And so to me, the benefit to you is, well, let me pick up on last week, an owner's executive. We talked about three things. We talked about the need to create a positive vision of the future, that it kind of pulls people to something positive. Number two is focus in terms of how you use your calendar. Um, You may tell people that this is important to you, but if it's not the bulk of your calendar, it isn't important. So it's the focus of how you focus your time. And then finally, the last one on that was embodiment in terms of they need role models, they need to see somebody do it, They've got to look at you. You've got to be it. The other part of that is we talked about accountability. And the fact is that if there's no accountability in the system, then people will then gravitate to the lowest common denominator. In other words, what are you willing to tolerate? So here's my how-to. This is really simple. 
take your day and split it into two piles. Yeah, you notice my scientific terms, piles. How many hours of the day you don't control and how many hours of the day you do control? And don't tell me you don't control any of them because that's weasel. You're weaseling out on this. So let's say it's 50-50. So out of a 10-hour workday, I got five hours that are mine. What I would do is I would take an hour every day and schedule it for tours and visits. Now, tours and visits, what, what do I mean by that? A tour is every day for a half hour, I'm going to walk the facility unannounced. I'm, I'm going to walk around to see how we're doing work, how is work getting done, and in general, what is happening. And uh, well, visit is basically one that I have planned. But I'm going to every day get out and either tell people I'm going to be by on Tuesday, I want to talk to you about X, or you just come by and you go, hey, Selvin, how's it going today? And the reason for that is it gives you the opportunity to do a couple things. One is listen, which is a fairly significant leadership tool that you can find out what's really going on, but also gives me an opportunity to share my vision of what we're doing in the company. And more importantly, it has me an opportunity. If I catch Selvin doing something good, I can walk up and say, man, that's great. Thanks. I appreciate it. And it and a pat on the back, a handshake goes a long way. Now, does it substitute for a pay increase? Absolutely not. But that's more of a bigger picture, longer term issue. Day to day, I can influence what people do by walking around and either giving them a compliment because I really like what I see. Or number two is that I could say, you know, we got we, we to gotta stop doing that. And maybe what we need to do is schedule a meeting around that. And so if I simply take part of my day and schedule it for tours and visits, I can, I can influence what's going on in the organization. But understand is that what I want the law of the good deal to be are the things that make the company profitable and productive, not the things that they want to do. The job is not a hobby. I am not running a social welfare organization by bringing people in and paying them. They're here to make money for the business, and I am more than happy to share it with them. And all of that comes down to how I stroke people, how I treat them day to day, has the greatest influence on the performance that I see. I'm going to come back to this theme as we kind of close out, but what I wanted to do basically is is end everything that we talked about with owner is executive, and on the people side is what you stroke is what you get. And so we'll be right back with our featured guest, Mark Deutsch. Hi, I'm Mark Deutsch, and I work with small businesses to connect them with the resources they need to succeed. Whether that's as a CEO of the largest business referral network in Virginia, BNI, or as a co-founder of Richmond's Community Center for Entrepreneurs, Gangplank RVA, or as a partner in several other small businesses, I'm a seasoned entrepreneur with over 25 years of experience whose passion and purpose is creating jobs by creating successful small business owners. Learn more about me and my many adventures at markdeutsch.com. And we're back with Mark Deutsch. And, uh, Mark, good seeing you again. It's been about a month since it you've been has. in the studio. It has been, Bill. Good to see you again. And you're going to be talking about CEO Roundtable. I am. Okay, great. Now, so if, if you don't know, and I've been sending out a lot of tweets today on this, Mark is the resource guy. If, you want to, if you're in business in Richmond and you want to know what's going on, you want somebody to talk to, Mark is the guy. I appreciate that. Okay, so CEO Roundtable. Yeah, it's, it's, I like to call it one of the, the world's best-kept, uh, best-known secrets. I guess, best-known secrets for business owners. And a CEO roundtable is simply an opportunity where business owners share advice in exchange for getting advice from other business owners. 
And we've had a lot of discussion on my way in, heard several of the other speakers this morning talking about how to improve your reputation or build a reputation. Yeah. Uh, Lean, for example, we talking about technology. And a great way to leverage yourself and others is to get information from other people. What do they do to build a reputation? How do they improve their processes? How do they benchmark? What kind of technology do they use? And a CEO roundtable is one of the best ways I find to do that. Wow. I, you know, I, I wasn't even familiar with them. I, I've fooled around with some of that before, but mm-hmm. quite frankly, it's the first I heard of it. Cool. Well, good, good. It, and it's known by many different names. Some people call them mastermind groups, for example. They could be an outside advisory board. It could be an outside board. They're known by many, many names. I generically call them CEO roundtables because that's the way I look at them. And today I wanted to spend just a few minutes talking about what I consider the top three options for CEO roundtables here in the Central Virginia marketplace. Uh, in some cases, really around the nation, there are similar entities that are available to okay. people to use. And the first one's called Vistage. Yeah, no, so, I am familiar with them. Okay, good. There used to be, uh, well, never mind. They, they were called something, I think they were called tech groups years yeah, ago. Yeah, that's right. That's that's right. Yep. 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 They had gone through several tech, iterations. T-E-K. Over, yep, T-E-K. Yep, and, and so they are great groups. We've got several folks in town that run groups, and it's a worldwide organization, mm-hmm. which is interesting. The price tag for a Vistage group runs from $500 a month up to 1000 plus. A month to participate. So you tend to get people that are in more mature companies as well as folks that are leaders and want to stay in the lead. And the big difference about Vistage is it's professionally facilitated and it's also a global network you're a part of. So if you want to compare notes with somebody in your industry, not in your backyard, you have an open network and a ready network to do that with. Okay. And and at the $500 level, you get people who are serious. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You, get people, you don't tend to get people that are, that are struggling and looking to stay in business. you got guys that are doing well and want to keep it that way. Yeah, you, you, no tire kickers. That's right. Absolutely. Okay. How about the Virginia Council of CEOs? Yeah, so another organization that's great is the Virginia Council of CEOs, and their model is slightly different than Vistage to compare. They're not professionally facilitated. They're more self-facilitated or peer-facilitated by their members. So they have a roundtable of members in each one of these groups, usually 12 to 14 people maximum, and then one of the members facilitates a discussion each month when they get together. And so their price tag is also slightly lower. You're also a more local network. They're only in Virginia, so you don't get access to a worldwide global network as you do in Vistage. And the price tag also ranges in, I think, in the, the four to $500 a month range okay. as well. Okay. And uh, ooh, DIY. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, the final option is the DIY, yeah, the, the, was, the, the do-it-yourself. So I, I call it, it's what I advocate as well is the poor man's CEO roundtable. Oh, okay. So if you, if you can't step into a $500 to $1,000 a month, there is a way to do it yourself. The benefit you get of those organizations, again, is, is professional facilitation, global networks, or peer facilitation based around a certain model, as well as access to, in, in the Virginia Council of CEOs, for example, they've got about 160-plus members currently. Mm-hmm. So you get access to that. To do it yourself... It's a simple model. I just get there used to be a program the Chamber of Commerce here in Richmond offered that they did away with a few years ago called the Business Leaders Roundtable. That's right. And I was in a BLR group, which yeah. is a similar model. They did away with that program. I believe I spoke at one or two of those. Maybe probably so. Yeah. You know, and so our group we kept meeting. They disbanded the program, but we kept meeting. So we don't pay any dues. We get together on a monthly basis over lunch for a couple hours mm-hmm. and each member gets an opportunity to speak each month. So one person's in charge of finding a place to meet, one person gets to own the floor, and they get to talk about issues that they need help with. And the trick is you only get to speak from experience. You don't speak from the, the position of, I read a book about this topic, here's what I think you ought to do. You're having an HR problem, I've had to fire people, here's what I did in my company for what it's worth. So that's really okay. the difference between the three different models. Oh, that's interesting. I, you know, I did not know there was a group called DIY. So I, you know, the others I had kind of heard of, 
but that but that is interesting now how is this how do i get in touch with the diy group DIY is do it yourself that, that's making it yourself i wish to, actually i thought when i was writing this presentation i said i should make a website diy round you know because there is not one yes because so. i'm thinking guess what this show is <laughs> it is this is DIY. This, this is, is do, do it yourself, it yourself business growth okay yeah, so now we've created a new business there together. We go. all right okay so uh in the remaining few minutes uh, few minutes yeah less than that here yeah, we got left in the show Mark, how do people get in touch with you? And I'd re- highly recommend if there's somebody on the show you're going to get in touch with, it's Mark. Yeah, you can just check my website, markdeutsch.com, or you can certainly go to the show website, right. Richmond Biz Live, and it has my contact information as well. Awesome. So uh, so I, we, we, you've got to be on again. So I, we got nothing scheduled, so I'm putting a little heat on you here. So let's get this <laughs> done here before uh, too long. So Sounds anyway, good. you take care. Thanks for you coming do, in. You do the same. I appreciate it. All right. And... Uh, that kind of leaves me with just a couple minutes here left. In fact, I, I just got a signal that I have a minute uh, to, to say just a few words about the weekend coming up. As, uh, as a former Coastie you know, with uh, 17 years of service total between uh, active duty and reserve and uh, a member of the Virginia Defense Force for a couple years, uh, I just want to send out all of uh, good thoughts and wishes to all the veterans here in the greater Richmond area is that uh, we're free because there are people who will not put their butts on the line, take orders, give up give up their lives, or certainly put their lives on hold for a couple of years. And uh, you're greatly respected in, in this part of the world. And so I just want to say to everybody, have a great and safe Memorial Day weekend. Though we are celebrating the, the Civil War dead, uh, we actually, every one of these holidays, we're celebrating everybody's war uniform for this country. And so with that, I want to say to everybody, have a great business week, wealth and prosperity, and I will see you Uh, at 10.06 next Saturday. Your host for a revolutionary new approach to small business success, Richmond Biz Live on WLEE News Talk 990 AM. You can start by checking out our website, richmondbizlive.com, and download your program schedule. You'll find it in the resources section. Join us every Saturday at 10 o'clock for Richmond Helping Richmond, one hour of information, techniques, and tools that you can use to achieve your dream. Clear your calendar and join in every Saturday at 10 o'clock on WLE News Talk 990 for the most important hour in your week.